Dr. Delaney, Beth, end-of-life mm-hmm. situations have, have always been part of medical care. But with the COVID pandemic, I imagine it's a lot more intense. And you professionally teach nursing students about a lot of things, including patients who are near the end of the life, how to, to help them, to, to, to relate to them. How do you approach this in, in a classroom setting? Well, thank you for asking. Thank you for um, even bringing this important topic up. Most certainly, the COVID-19 pandemic has placed additional stressors on healthcare providers, patients, and their families at the time of end-of-life care. Um, With the restrictions on visitation, it's been extremely difficult. And when I work in an outpatient office caring for patients, Um, who have a cancer diagnosis on Mondays and Tuesdays. So I used to be on the front line in the intensive care units at a large trauma center in Dayton, Ohio. And so I know what those conversations are like. And I can only imagine how stressful it is to maybe not be able to be in the same room as your loved one who is dying. And what that does is it puts extra stress on the healthcare providers to not only try to manage what's happening in a normal, already stressful time, but now the added stress of trying to make sure that we have whatever the patient as far as resolution or comfort or holistic types of care, body, mind, spirit care, what we can do in such difficult circumstances. So what we've tried to do here at Cedarville University in the School of Nursing is to um, partner with the National End-of-Life Nursing Education Consortium, and that stands for ELNEC, E-L-N-E-C, and they have created some international online education modules which um, have been developed with the purpose of teaching in undergraduate and graduate uh, curriculums. And this is a newer idea to integrate palliative care in a consistent manner across healthcare professionals or healthcare specialties. And so what LMEC did was create these online modules. And what we did at Cedarville with the help of the Curriculum Assessment Committee and our very supportive, innovative leadership here in the School of Nursing is combine um, online education with classroom short experiences and applications, which culminate in a senior experience where we actually simulate using a high fidelity simulator in a period of over four hours, application of content that now begins in the sophomore year, um, is more also integrated into the junior year, and then we apply the content in this simulated safe environment in the nursing school. And so hopefully students can learn, debrief, react in a very safe environment using internationally credible material. And then we also partnered with our, there's another nonprofit called We Honor Veterans, and then we partnered with our Ohio's Hospice so that we could um, use the information or use the materials that they do to recognize veterans um, at the end of life. And we've also incorporated uh, a veteran recognition ceremony within to this simulation experience. And so we do that in the senior year And that is at the same time when the students are finishing right before graduation, they're going into their internship or preceptorships where they're actually 
following a nurse and following a nurse in a real life situations um, on their schedule and that plan for transition to be a registered nurse. Is the end of life scenario a, a difficult topic for some students to, to process? Oh, absolutely. Well, it's a difficult topic for anyone to process. Um, but I would say in the United States, and we've had the ability in the information age and with all of our science, which is oftentimes great to uh, give us advances in healthcare, but we have not always then thought about death and dying as much. And we haven't, it's a difficult topic, so we don't always talk about it. But as healthcare providers, we have to be ready to provide. And at Cedarville, we want to provide that body, mind, spirit care and offer that opportunity for any of the patients that are put in our path. So students particularly, they may or may not have ever been at a time where a person has taken their last breath. So being able to have that in a simulated environment prior to a real life environment, the students tell us is useful. Some students have experienced um, death in their clinical or in their personal life. And this simulation allows for processing of those difficult situations and hopefully a safe and caring supportive environment before they're in a place where they're kind of in charge of delivering maybe comfort care in that sacred space um, as a registered nurse. And I understand that uh, a part of the training includes something about spiritual assessment. Can you tell us about that? I certainly can. Um, anybody, any healthcare provider who has been through any health assessment class knows that a healthcare provider will ask patients when they come into their care about why they came, their chief complaint, and then a lot about their past medical history, their social history, what are their body systems telling them, and then they would do a physical exam to try to come up with what's happening and then formulate a plan, hopefully it, it, together with the patient. As part of that past medical and social history, spiritual history taking and spiritual assessment is a regular routine part of gathering information about um, humans on planet Earth and what they think about these topics so that we can use that information in the best patient-centered way to deliver care that is most meaningful to the patients that we care for. And in some cases, uh, will nurses, if they're permitted to, uh, be allowed to, to share faith in Christ? Absolutely. And so what we would do, and if you would read the literature, there's literature about prayer, there's literature about healthcare providers, and we use standard assessments um, called the, like we use something called the FICA tool, and it's about what is your faith, how important is faith in your life? How important is faith to you? Do you have a spiritual community? And then how as we as healthcare providers can we use that information? There are tools like FICA, there's a HOPE scale, and our, um, we uh, had a faculty member, Dr. Sharon Christman, that actually talked about uh, spiritual care and the model of uh, faith, hope, and love. And so as we have those dialogues with patients, it is um, a time for open discussion. And so healthcare providers and nurses have an opportunity to learn how they could better help and support the person spiritually. And so if that opportunity affords it um, themselves, then absolutely that dialogue can be open. 
Another thing that we teach our students um, to be very clear about is to include people's uh, faith spiritual leaders within their care, so their pastor, um, their priest, whoever that might be. So the nurse's job is to assess that and make those connections, as well as many of us will have pastoral care or chaplains on the interdisciplinary teams where we work, so we can actually call upon their expertise as well. And that's all if we use, if we ask the question. And so what we're trying to do here at Cedarville is make sure that we consistently train our nurses to ask the questions about spiritual assessment and spiritual care. And there is an element in the training I was reading about called the pause. What is that? Sure. The pause was included in the LNAC material. And really, the concept of the pause came from um, a person named, as I understand it, this was new to me, Jonathan Bartels, who was an EMT. And really, it's about trying to pause, especially after a patient has died and after the family has left, because we, as healthcare providers, it's not unusual, especially for a registered nurse who might be in an emergency room and in intensive care in a hospice organization. It might be that we could see, have a person die in the morning on our shift and then go to lunch and then we have a person in the afternoon that could die. And so in our care, people could be dying. And it's difficult as a, as a healthcare provider, or it can be difficult to have deaths one time after another, after another, after another. And this small amount of integration into the LNEC material was about taking a pause after we've had the death of a patient and having the healthcare providers to come around the bed and just spending a moment, like a moment of silence, to say, what, what happened here? The care that we provided, everyone worked hard. Does anybody have to say, have anything to say? And it's just a moment to kind of close one life in our care at that moment and then being able to move to the next. And what we learn is, is that I wonder about what the research says about a pause like this. I haven't looked into that. I, I think that it would be interesting to research it. But I can tell you from doing it myself to at least pause and take a breath at the end of one case before we start a next case is what I think to be good self-care. And healthcare providers find themselves, particularly amidst the pandemic, where there's so many demands, self, trying to take at least some care of ourselves so that we can care well for others is extremely important. So um, we actually have a pause or a moment of silence um, as we close one case in the simulation. And in real life, those students might be having another person very similarly in their care shortly after this patient leaves. So it's a moment to reflect, to pause, to gather yourself, to provide some self-care before we move to the next patient. As you teach about such a sensitive topic, what is in your own heart when you talk with the students? Oh. <laughs> As you ask me that question, 
I get emotional. That's okay. I try to teach our, I try to teach our students that we know that Jesus says that the greatest commandment from his perspective is to love God and to love others. And I try to teach my students every single day that if all we did and all of the people that we are that are put in our path to care for, if we took care of them the way that Jesus wants us to, and maybe if we thought about the golden rule and we took care of our patients like the person that we loved most, then not only will we provide excellent care, but it would be care that people would be happy to receive and they would feel the love of Christ. Now, that to me is especially important when caring for a person at end of life. And so I just have seen times when end of life care has been done well and when there have been times when healthcare providers unintentionally or intentionally have not done things well. And what happens is I've seen families suffer from poor care and I never, ever, ever want to make, you know, want to not make our students aware of the power that they have to help make a very difficult situation tolerable. So emotionally for me, it's like I just want to plead with them to please listen to what I have to say so that we can love God and love others at the most difficult time because this is sacred space and we have the ability to influence it in a very positive way or if it's not done well in a very negative way. And I think that any listener, if they've ever had someone that they care about, which most of us have, have died, that if they were around that situation, they remember the details of those situations. And I tell my nursing students, you could be remembered fondly and dearly or maybe not so much. And I want our students to have the opportunity to be really remembered in a fond and dear way and that they cared for people the way that Christ asks us to care for one another. Understood. As, as a professional, as a Christian yourself, and this is a bit theological, how do you view the transition from, from life to death? <laughs> That's a question that when you work in hospice and palliative care, you, I mean, they're asked, here's what I, here's what I can tell you. Um, my life has been, like many humans, a life of um, triumph, tragedy, interesting perspectives. And as a person who has stood bedside for literally thousands of people or been with thousands of people within that 24 hours, 48 hours before they take their last breath, I have seen some very interesting things. And what I, I have come to peace with in my own self is I absolutely know that God is real. And then once you know that God is real because you've seen things in your own space, you know that I've seen people of faith have very loving, amazing transitions from this life to the next. I've seen people not have smooth transitions and have a lot of symptoms, a lot of fear from this life to the next. And so, um, I see sometimes there's not 
oftentimes people um, are afraid to be in a in a room when a person takes their last breath. And I, I've got to be real honest, especially with palliative care and hospice professionals involved, many times it's a very peaceful transition. Um, it can, as far as symptoms go, physical things happen. But um, I'm, I most definitely can tell you that I've been in a lot of rooms of people of faith, and that transition has been very beautiful. I have heard of relatives in my own family who, upon passing maybe a few minutes before, were talking to their mom or their mm-hmm. grandmother who has already departed. Does yes. that happen? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, it has. Or people will say names of people that uh, younger generations don't even know about, and the older generations are saying, what did that person just say? And they connect. So I've most definitely observed that. I've seen people who have not really been moving, smile, reach up. I've seen people scream. I've seen a lot of different things. Now, I don't see what they see, but over a lot of time and a lot of bedsides, you definitely see lots of different things. So what you describe, I've definitely seen. All right. Uh, Beth Delaney, we sure appreciate you sharing your heart with us about a a sensitive subject, and certainly we are glad that you're on the the front lines of training, helping uh, future nurses to to understand and, and move forward. I really, really can't thank you enough for bringing this topic forward. I hope that um, healthcare providers, if they haven't had opportunities to learn about these topics, um, if they reach out to those resources, of course, um, we would be more than happy to, to talk with them if they're interested in kind of what we're doing. But really, for anyone, um, there are a lot of hospice organizations that have a lot of good information. If you're working with someone who has a life-limiting illness, including palliative care, hospice professionals, talking with your own health care providers about your questions or concerns can really help to um, alleviate some of the stress that naturally comes with these difficult times. So thank you for talking about this challenging topic. Thank you.